everyone and welcome to uh, Sunday. This is Sunday, Garland Sunday, Sunday Sessions, 26th of July, 2020. Here we go. Well, thank you for joining us, uh, joining me uh, for another Sunday Sessions. Uh, this is our weekly time of exploring the tree law and orm, water law and she, and especially woodland tree and garden sanctuaries. And we got a lovely day, uh, thank goodness, a couple of days ago, it looked horrible. But let me know in the comments if you're actually receiving me, because a few minutes ago we had no internet signal, and it's very low at the moment. So I hope it's not too echoey. If it is, I apologize, but that's out of my control. Uh, but today, uh, it's a semi-forgotten Garland Sunday. So let's start. Uh, oh, oh, the wrong Garland. Here we go. I tend to cover some of the ancient customs of the Garland and uh, hill and mountain pilgrimages, which uh, I gather a sort of cancelled up uh, call Patrick today and first harvest Thanksgiving be talking on that and wrapping it all up really and bringing it all together through Bilberry Sunday. So who we got? Uh, there's a few people here. Uh, I see for some reason there's a smiley face, which is always a lovely thing to see. And Margie is here. Hello. And uh, Donna's here. A regular. Thanks for being here, Donna. Kimberly's on board. And uh, and Margie, uh, got Margie. Oh, we've got two comments from Margie. Thank you. <laughs> Getting very active. Thank you very much. Lovely. And Kiss uh, on board. Hi, uh, you must be in Wales. I hope all is well from there. And greetings on this Garland Sunday. This uh, really, if I can get myself back again. And uh, this really is the first of three of these Sunday sessions is going to cover this Lunasa season. And uh, I'll be talking about why this last Sunday of July has come uh, into being. Uh, this, there we go. And Chandler's here. Lovely to see you, Chandler. So I better get moving with this. Um, so I'm going to uh, Garland Sunday. So obviously there's some customs, ancient customs related to the garland, uh, the making of the garland. Is it daisies? Later on, uh, I will develop this. I think the daisies is more a modern and convenient thing because daisies are obviously very, very easy to find. And uh, children love to make uh, daisy chains with the daisies, don't they? Do you, is that sort of something you did when you were as a child? Uh, but sometimes the garlands are made out of vines, ivy, honeysuckle, I think is probably an ancient one, very popular with the honeysuckle because of the enchanting fragrance. And sometimes flowers were, the garlands were made and flowers were actually inserted because we have the lavender right now. And uh, these garlands by tradition, and I'm gonna go into this, when I go into the Bilberry uh, Sunday version, I'll be going into this with a bit more detail. But the general understanding is that these garlands are made and worn by girls and women that uh, haven't had children. And uh, as I say, did you, did you make them as uh, children? And I certainly did. The boys and girls used to make them, put them on each other's heads. So when children make them, it's fun. And they're probably not fully understanding of the traditions. <laughs> uh, so, but uh, as I've been mentioning on the past Sunday sessions, we tend to regard Belfney as a time of mating. And uh, the inbulk being a time maybe that women first start looking in the well pools and looking for a vision of the mates that they're going to meet on the upcoming Belfner. But it's quite traditional to actually do that on the eve of uh, May Day. Uh, that's become a sort of more modern is there isn't time you know, to actually look into the well, I suppose, the Timbalt these days have to wait another three months. Come on. <laughs> uh, relationships could have been formed and broken up by then. So uh, I think the modern thing is on the Belt Neve. But the, if we follow that folklore, 
um, and with a mate. Um, it is said that at this time of Lunasa, that if there was mating at Belfast, well, this is the time that the women would be very aware of their pregnancy. And so being aware, if they didn't make the union at, uh, in early May, then they're going to be making some serious preparations for union, for marriage at this time. Uh, but I've got some doubts um, over the strength of marriage at this time, because if you, if you go into a lot of the folklore stories about Lou, Lua, he had many wives. Uh, so I, sp I don't know. It's just a fun thing. It's a matchmaking day. Make the most of it. And it is a sunny, wonderful day. Uh, it can sort of set off some enchantments. But if, there, if everybody mated on Sawan, think about it. That also suggests that all human births would be on Sawan. And if that is true, can you imagine a whole human race with a sun in Scorpio? Uh, <laughs> uh, a, a kind of a, a serpent human race with Kindle, uh, Kundalini rising as a total way of life. Now there was a, a in, back in my serious astrology days, one of the things that uh, I learned, uh, I think it was a bit on the courses, but definitely when I meet up at conferences, it was one of the things that was talked about. And you may be familiar with the Virgo and the Scorpio sign, how similar they are. They're kind of M's with different endings. The Scorpio one has that serpent tail and the, uh, the M has that sort of squiggly thing. And people relate to the Virgo as uh, being the virgin and the Scorpio as being the sting in the tail is the general thing. And uh, I was told that uh, it was taught on the Isle of Cos, I think it was. It was a major university college that, that did mathematics, geometry, and so forth, an island uh, of, of Greece. And the one thing they taught is before life came to Earth, or at least before humans came to Earth, that the zodiac was of 10 signs. And then what happened was the tree of life either popped up or came down and it split one of the signs up and that's why you got the virgo and the scorpio sign very similar so here we are there, there they are they're split up there the virgo on one side tree of life and scorpio a lot of people when they think of libra they think of the scales and someone's done a lovely illustration that bring the two together because it seems that the scales are uh, a fairly modern symbolism because the tree of life is regarded in more since medieval times as being a symbolism of judgment and accountability. So uh, scales tend to be on courthouses, especially in the USA. And when you go around the rest of the zodiac, uh, everything is a living thing. You may argue, well, the Aquarius is just the wavy lines. Well, not so long ago, the Aquarius symbol was the water bearer. Uh, in recent years, it would have been the keep it patriarchal, the man pouring the water. And before that, it was a woman pouring the water. And then they went for the shorthand way of just uh, the wavy lines. So uh, uh, interesting on that. And what that reminds me, uh, way back when Chairman Mao was the boss of China, uh, some reason with all of the developments he would arrange it so that the men would leave their families for most of the year to go off in gangs to work on roads, railways, whatever they did. So they never got partnered with their wives. So there was no chance of uh, any conception and uh, uh, no con uh, conjugal visits or anything like that. They were separated. And it said that he used to bring everybody, the entire Chinese population together around equinox uh, so that there would be a family holiday celebration and hopefully they would all start mating so that the whole population would actually be born on Chairman Mao's birthday, uh, 26th of December. Uh, I would say in a whole nation of sun in Scorpio. What about a whole nation of sun in Capricorn then? I got moon in Capricorn myself. So I have my sympathies with, <laughs> with that intention. But anyway, going back to the woman with the garland, uh, let's have a let's pop one up here. Is a woman with a garland there, and uh, first would climb up the hill with uh, the. I should have something uh, with the f first harvest offering. Now I'm I'm kind of ahead of myself here. 
because if she is pregnant, it's said that uh, her partner would accompany her. And then getting uh, to the top there, uh, if she is without child and she is carrying the garland, uh, she would dig a hole. Uh, but if he's with her, then he would dig a hole. And I couldn't find any digging hole uh, pictures. So here's what I have. There we go, digging a hole. <laughs> uh, and they would, if it was just a woman without the mate, she would then take off the garland and bury it whole. But if she's pregnant, the, the mate would take off the uh, garland and actually would break it up and scatter it. It wouldn't be buried in the hole, maybe. And it seems a lot of these tra uh, traditions, they would change and become very reasonable. And it's what they would learn, uh, maybe what bards told them that were visiting of the variations. So this is where you got variations on traditions. Some would break up and scatter, some would bury in holes. So what have I got for the next? There we go. Now, in many variations of this, and I'm going to be talking about this on Bilbury Sunday, uh, I have heard of the uh, removal of the garland being at the top of the hill, if it's with the mate. It's actually part of the we uh, wedding ceremony. So all these characters going up the top of the hill to get married, she's got the garland on. And some storytellers, they talk of hold stones uh, being on the top of these hills. And this was part of the ceremony. And part of the tradition with hold stones, uh, there's some of them lying around. And obviously I flashed a picture a little earlier, but it said that, um, well, they're, they're kind of medieval stones and the down through the Christian years, they've said, oh yeah, they, they used to be crosses. There was a wooden pole through it and there was a cross, but the rock, uh, the wooden pole has rotted. Goodness me, if you go around the country, you actually see stones carved in the shape of crosses. So that's a load of BS, I think. But uh, it is said that, uh, well, let's show you this whole stone. This is actually in Donegal. This is in Glen Columkill. See, it has got the uh, medieval carvings there, uh, symbolism. There's the hole. You can see the hole at the top. and. It said that uh, one of the partners, if they were attracted, now this was, if this was done below, there's another custom, and I did talk about this at Beltona, where is there'd be two circles of people. And uh, well, let me move on to Beagmore. This is in the um, Sperry Mountains up in Tyrone. There you go, this is one example. It's a whole field of these figure of eights. Look at, if you can see the two stone circles there. In other parts of the field, and unfortunately I haven't got good photographs, they actually have a kind of a, a stone avenue that goes up to these circles. And uh, the story I'm told from the Sperrins there is you would get the men in one circle, you would get uh, the women in the other, and they'd be giving each other the eye. And when they got each other the eye, you see that mound that's there, it's reckoned that there was a whole stone uh, on the top of that. So one from either circle would go up to that stone, put their finger through the hole. And if the person they got the eye on has, uh, has said, you know, this is, oh, this is great. This is chance of a union. Oh, here's the partner of my dreams. They would go up and put their finger in the hole at the same time. And going back to this uh, Donegal one, here are two people demonstrating. And there they go. Uh, those people, uh, we're on a group that was taking around Donegal in this area and they actually proposed to each other and that was their union, uh, uh, right? They couldn't wait. They couldn't wait for the wedding. So that's, that's a bit how these, so it's said that these um, whole stones were actually up on the hills, but unfortunately I haven't really seen or heard of any up on the hills. They seem to be uh, low down. And also another thing, and I think it was a church influence, is that uh, the, the priests didn't like, the early, the, mid, the later medieval priests didn't like people going up the hills. It was dealing with the Satan, the devil, and all this other stuff. And they tried to encourage this ceremony to come down to the bottom of the hills. And it somehow got moved to graveyards. And so it's uh, quite intriguing that uh, this would be done towards the graves of ancestors, recent 
family ancestors, grandparents, great grandparents, similar things, and the um, the actual garlands would be broken up and scattered over the graveyards, um, all because the priests discouraged the hill climbing, and they said that this time of lunacy wasn't for mating and dancing and feasting and all those jolly things. It was a time for celebrating penance. Uh, so anyway, the broken garlands would be scattered over the uh, graveyards and the women present would get into a bit of keening, uh, which is related often to the banshee that you might be familiar with, the wailing. <laughs> so <laughs> it's almost as if a couple, they want to get married, they've got engaged and they've, they've expressed their love for each other and all the rest are crying about it. Maybe that's why women cry in church, I don't know. And there's also this uh, crossover uh, that, uh, well, here we go. I want to show you this one. This is how it's changed. This is actually a Tobinolt well, which is in Sly uh, outside of Sligo. Very famous, very popular well. They also celebrate Garland Sunday there, but they're not up a hill. They're actually by a holy well. And this is a, ma a mass rock that is by the well. And and if you visited here, you realize that's actually by a stream that comes out of the well, very powerful well, and it goes down uh, into Loch Gill. And it's with these mass rocks, because uh, it was penal times when the Catholic religion was suppressed, the uh, priests would arrive by boat from somewhere. They would get up the boat, uh, get off the boat, and they would go barefoot up through the stream. And they would have these mass rocks very close to the stream and they would hold the mass. People locally would secretly know. It's a very covert thing. They would, they would come along. And it wouldn't take long before the, the landlords and agents and all the sort of Protestant crowd would know this was going on. And they'd be down with their dogs. And the dogs would be trying to sniff out the priest to try it so they could capture. But no, priest by that time is already back in the stream, going down the stream, getting on his boat. There's no way the dogs can follow his trail. Anyway, the Garland Sunday has transferred from a mating to a celebration of overcoming the penal times, but also celebrate, don't forget to do your penance, because this is a time, uh, it's the end of July, they call it the Hungry July, which I, I'll explain a bit later on. But just because you've got all this harvest, just because you've got all this goodness, because you've got all these urges, suppress it. You've got heaven to look forward to. Meanwhile, Enjoy these penal times. <laughs> Sorry. <coughs> but um, last Sunday in uh, July, and a lot of people were saying, well, what's he on about? He was talking about Lunasa um, traditions. And when we think of Lunasa traditions, we might jump to the 1st of August. But a lot of us forget that uh, that 1st of August was set by a Gregorian calendar. And uh, it has taught to us, okay, this is uh, the time of penance. This is the time of Garland Sunday. This was arranged by Patrick. But what a lot of people don't realize is that we have the date that we have now all down to this character. If it just come up, I hope you're getting a signal because this is uh, slow because it might be a bit rough. And there we have, we have the, the jolly uh, Pope Gregory there. And he was the one that said, uh, I forget the date now, it was 15 something, and uh, he set the calendar that we had now, way after Patrick's time. So Garland Sunday made this sort of separation in medieval times. Um, and one development is celebrating the growing of life. As I was saying, the Garland women, if they were expecting child, uh, they would go uh, up the hill as a celebration or as a union so that they would be a family. There's a whole tradition of a year and a day uh, that you probably might be uh, familiar with. Uh, but the one thing, because of this relationship to the womb and the birth expectancy, there's Garland Sunday celebrations because it's also in some places, it's a fair time. And uh, parts of the case, they're not having it today, unfortunately, because of the COVID situation but normally today there would be a whole kind of fair that integrates some of the traditions how they have evolved and become very different so here we have the garland women going up the hill 
And that has evolved in this fair, which is down on the lower ground, into a baby show. And uh, if I, this is from an old poster, if it will come up. Uh, very reluctant. There we go. You might not be able to see it, but there's, uh, in there, uh, one of the listings uh, is for the Bonnie Baby Show. Um, anyway, so anyway, I'm going to talk up a, a bit about the Hill and Mountain pilgrimages and how they've changed. But before I do that, let's have a little look at uh, what you're saying here. Uh, Sandra Elizabeth, good morning. Are you all hearing this okay? Is it coming over okay? Because I say the internet's pretty lousy. We uh, After that terrific uh, signal we had last week, uh, I trust you're hearing. Uh, plenty of lavender blooming. Yeah, Make some garlands, get up the hills. You never know who, who might woo you up there. I'll come to that, as I say, on the Bilberry session. Uh, so there's Donna, ever hoping. Yeah, collect them up. <laughs> Chandler, uh, good morning to you there. I think I, I've caught you at the moment. Anyway, to get on with a bit of a, a wrapping around the stories of this time. Um, now, where were we? Oh, yes, pilgrimages. Uh, hill and mountain pilgrimages. Um, there we go. We got some, there's some people on the hill and mountain. And this is well known for the Cro-Patrick, uh, known from ancient times as the Reek. And some people even know it as Crow-Lure, reckon that before it was Patrick, it, it was Crow-Lure. But I gather it's sort of cancelled, or people are highly discouraged from doing that today. So there we have, uh, when there's no people up there, there we have the reek. And uh, also, it's not just there. A lot of people think that the Garland Sunday, that's the only hill or mountain. But there's people used to climb up different mountains, different high points around the uh, country. So here are some of them. And I know this is uh, some people have diverted from Crowpatrick to this one. And this is uh, Church Mountain in Wicklow. And when you go to the top of that, there's the church. It doesn't have the fancy church like the top of Crowpatrick. But what the church did, it actually demolished an ancient cairn. The cairn was removed there unless it had already fallen down and perhaps taken to use as a uh, wall stone. And you can see the remains of the little church that was put in there for the mass. So that's one place. And then there's a Bandon Hill. I haven't got a, a decent hit, um, Bandon Mountain above Bandon in court. I haven't got a decent photo of that. But here's the top. And what's lovely on that, on the top, there's this lock. I went towards the top and that people would bathe and they regard that as a, a holy bit of water. And then uh, another extremely one that was probably going to be an alternative uh, to Crowpatrick is Steve Donard in uh, County Down. Uh, that's looking at it from Newcastle, lovely little town. Uh, the people perhaps accommodate him before they, they got the treacherous climb up uh, uh, of Steve Donard. And then we have our local Hill of Cache. And there we have, that's looking from Karakori here. <coughs> you can't see it in the photo very much. Well, you can, I can see it now a little bit. Can you see towards the right, there is a little cairn. Well, it isn't a little, it's quite a big cairn sticking up. And I, got, I did pick up one photo here. This is, it has a little standing stone on it. Now, it's called the Pinnacle. And uh, it's looking over, that's... Um, knocked away in the distance in Sligo and people up there, the lay hunters, they have a grand time working out alignments uh, from that point. And as I say, there was the Tobinot Well where people have been dragged down to the lower levels. There's a picture of the Tobinot Well with a carving on the right that was done by local Michael Quirk uh, with a black stone, mysterious black stone. You'll have to ask him about it. Why has he put black stone in it? He has Lovely stories about the Blackstone. I think it's from Kilronan. Uh, so that's where they had that mass. So that's the mass rock you can see there that was covered that people assembly around. And you can see the well behind that. And then to the side of that is the stream uh, that runs down. And that's apparently people pulled down to the Tobinol well as an alternative to the cairn spots on the Ballygawley Mountains, sort of reddish mountains that are behind over the other side of Loch Gill. 
and they, they were encouraged to come here. Now, one of the things that uh, traditions of Lunasa is because it's to do with fertility, fertility with uh, human birth and fertility because it's, this is first harvest time uh, with the, the crops, the cereals, uh, the potatoes. So there's a call of protection. And I'm going to go into a, a, a quite a dark tradition of this shortly, but this uh, protection, loosely, you call upon the coup because the the uh, the kayak, uh, the the hag, the goddess, the the woman spirit of the mountain, uh, she always has a protector beside her uh, to protect her entire spirit. So there is protection. And um, interestingly enough, when this is made into an external idol that we can recognize, up comes the uh, Irish wolfhound. That is the coup. That's the symbolism of the coup, the delightful Irish wolfhounds. And because of the bringing and, and, and meditating on protection and calling for protection, like I was saying that um, baby, uh, the birth has sort of organically moved on to become a baby show from the coup from the protection uh from the wolf and guess what they have today especially in cache dog shows <laughs> anyway um i think i better get move on to the uh the, the actual first harvest ceremony just to check how you're doing hello shavom hi Nobody said if you're getting a decent signal, so assume if you're making comments, you're actually seeing and hearing this. I hope it's not too echoey uh, for you. So now, as I say, the first harvest, and uh, this is really the, the uh, it's a really a Thanksgiving, the whole lunar of Thanksgiving to the, the fir um, first harvest. And a very important thing uh, is the first harvest loaf, traditionally made from barley. And uh, the first barley is uh, harvested on the dawn of Garland Sunday. It must not be touched by tradition. It must never be touched. It'd be bad luck. There'll be dark luck uh, if you actually do the harvesting. This is the time to do the harvesting. And uh, uh, some say that this is a Garland Sunday tradition. The last Sunday of July do not cut the barley until then. Again, we're talking about the Gregorian calendar. So something got mixed up along the way. Part of the penance, I would say. Oh, don't you dare dig up the barley until the last morning of the last Sunday uh, of July. Otherwise, it'll all rot and you'll starve through the winter. There's all this fear-mongering, isn't there? So that some things haven't changed. Anyway, that's the tradition. Don't you dare touch that barley until... Uh, the dawn and at dawn go and get some of that barley and uh, make a, a loaf of bread like I was showing earlier I don't think that's barley someone made that absolutely delightful and put some um, fruit and stuff into it but uh, do I have the picture no I oh dear I didn't call up uh, one of my pictures is missing out anyway I will I had a delightful picture of uh, malting of barley because that's the other thing is with that first barley that's picked you don't only make the first loaf you actually make the first beer uh, by um, starting to malt the barley which is germinating the barley it's almost like semi-sprouting but you try and catch it the barley as it kind of enlarges before the sprouts come out but some brewers actually like to use the barley when it has just sprouted it has some lovely pictures of that but that seems to have got lost unfortunately now another thing when that first barley and these days it's more than barley it moved on to rye moved on to oats and then in later years on to wheat and so from that first cut cutting the heads off of the first golden crop there on the last Sunday of July, the Garland Sunday, you take the heads off, but you've got the stalks. And with the stalks, a thing called corn dollies is made. And here's a couple of beautiful corn dolly pictures. And they're used for rituals. And people treat them very similar, I think, to the imbolc. And then there's this one, which talking about the garland, 
is uh, it's become an alternative totem, uh, an item to actually hand over to someone you fancy and a loved one. And if they uh, accepted it from you and, and put it in their garland or put it on their hair or uh, they actually, yes, it's uh, somewhere on their head, then it means they've accepted your advances. Uh, but if they use it as a brooch, it says, yeah, you're a great friend, something like that anyway. Um, but the original function I gather for these corn dollies and for items like that is actually again the coup the protection they were actually made where the seeds from the first harvest some of the seeds were held back to be stored within the corn dollies and they would actually be put in the dark and these were the seeds that were going to be sown for the crop next year so various people would make the corn dollies and i think by tradition the corn dolly makers again were women that hadn't had children uh, and the purpose of them was for seed storage and as reverence to the uh, the kayak, the goddess, the hag, whatever you like to call the uh, the woman entity, uh, the Mother Earth, uh, in a tribute to her that she would protect the seeds so there would be a great harvest next year. Now, some people will know this time, oh yeah, I better move on. Um, yeah, Lamas. Some people know this time as Lamas. And uh, Lamas, uh, Lamas, the first mass, the blessing of the bread. And as you can tell by that description, again, it's almost like as if that has come in as a tolerance by the Christian church for the old ways. Uh, so, yeah, okay, you can keep your bread making up, but uh, regard it as mass, as a... As, as kind of a contribution or as a thought, as a contemplation of mass and that dear old penance. So that's um, uh, the Lammas loaf. Uh, when that's baked, I talk about taking it up. A guy, it's similar to the garlands, taking them up the, the hill. And some traditions say when you're at the top of the hill, uh, break up the bread. And I know in the case shield, you go up the top there and there's crows and uh, there might be ravens there uh, anyway corvids of some form not covid but corvids of some form there and they eat the bread and they're said to be a living manifestation of the goddess spirit so you're feeding the goddess with your first loaf uh, as a thank you but uh, in later years when after potatoes came to ireland the same tradition as getting the first barley, this is, you don't dig up the potatoes. It's said to be very, very bad form, very uh, bringing on a curse. If you dig up your potatoes uh, on before the, before today, before this garland Sunday, because anybody who did that, who sneaked in, they said, well, they're, they're desperate people because it's known as hungry July, hungry July because there isn't much from the gardens. It's just some wild food. So by this time, it's been lean. Ever since Belfner, it's been lean. And then all of a sudden, dig the potatoes up, take the heads off of the cereals. Suddenly, there's abundance. August becomes feast time. It becomes gluttony time. But don't start that until this morning of the Garland Sunday. That's the tradition of that one. And... Uh, some people say that uh, you take the potatoes up the hill and start cooking them, but I'm not sure about that one. I haven't seen any full of flowers or any sign of any cooking, and it seems to be quite a, a drawn-out. I think that was something that would be done as a celebration once you're back down the hill, but that's just me applying a bit of common sense. Anyway, uh, I say Lunasa, big day of feasting after a lean time of fasting, so here's a sort of a, a logo of that, local foods out of the garden, all this. Um, and of course, it's uh, also a celebration uh, of fitness uh, through sports. I haven't got anything uh, on the sports here, but they certainly, Park Garland Sunday in Cache uh, is a sports ranging from running sports uh, to, because in order to eat in July, you have to do a lot of running. So a lot of fitness have been got through July running around trying to 
forage and hunt in order to not go hungry because the harvest wasn't ready or the priests would be after you for uh, digging stuff up too early. Um, anyway, so, uh, and also the celebration in sports, there's the, the, these days, there's the egg and spoon race, there's sack races, but then there is the prowess uh, sports of tossing the cable, not so much in Ireland, but uh, it's all connected with that um, in uh, Scotland and and throwing big weights, tossing the sheaths and how fast can you do a pile of turf uh, and all these kind of men, especially trying to show off uh, their prowess. But there is a darker interpretation of this first harvest, uh, offering the first harvest up uh, on the hill. And this revolves around different stories of a being called Cromdov. And there's a, uh, does anybody know where that's from? I, I You um, stone spotters, you probably know exactly where that's located. It's outside somewhere. I've not visited anywhere and seen that. I've seen photos of, of how the lime, uh, where it leaches at the top, how it's spread over over time. So it gives it so blonde hair. But I don't know uh, where that is at all. And then we have another one, Crom uh, Crook. And here he is. If, uh, there's an illustration of him. And uh, uh, you, you might say, for those of you who are fans of Robin of Sherwood and some of the English and Welsh traditions, ah, that's Hearn the Hunter. I'm not talking about that so much on uh, this session, but yes, they're linked. They're linked all right. And then we've got the, um, but this Crom Dove character, he's sort of, uh, translated as being a stooped over dark man or god, but I tend to think of the stoopness, if it was a stoop, uh, as a that's a description of an overlord, someone that was definitely a spirit, half spirit, half man, maybe, but someone definitely higher than a chieftain and was very much an underground god and a very patriarchal alternative to the kayak uh, of the mother earth of the. Uh, hag spirit, uh, but then uh, the this character here—that's the only illustration I'm doing. The Crom uh, Croak. Well, he. Oh no, let's go back to him. Uh, it's from the underground that this um, that our Crom Dove. He he said that he is him. Again, this is part of the penance thinking. It's him that actually commands the sun to shine brighter and longer. He reckon uh, it's claimed that his spirit is the reason the days get longer in the summer, and so that the the cereals, the barley especially, can actually ripen into a sort of golden brown, into a gold. And uh, it's all down to him, as told in the folklore. If it wasn't for him, well, there wouldn't be a cereal harvest for our food survival. There wouldn't be the celebration and gluttony. But so we have Kron uh, Kruak, who's actually the, whereas we had Dove, he's the overlord underground. This is the over, this is the overlord of the ripening sun, the harvesting of the cereals, and um, and uh, the cutting of the head. It said when you harvest the cereals, you're actually uh, cutting off the head of Kron Kruak. So when you cut your barley or wheat or oats or rye first thing in the morning, you're cutting the head. Yeah, poor fella here, do it every year, and um, and that's the celebration of this time uh, before he can uh, engage in any uh, curses that you cut the head off. So it's very similar to the uh, English and possibly Welsh trans uh, story of John Barleycorn. Uh, <laughs> here we go. So it's it's kind of said that the. Um, the bread from these cereals that's cut on this Garland Sunday, or maybe for lunacy, it's going to be a different, you know, I talk about Ireland and Garland Sunday because that's what we have now. So, but the head from these cereals, the bread made, is said to represent Cronkroyk's uh, head. Uh, people regard that as a sheaf, but I think there's something in the imagery there uh, as his head. So maybe that's what's taken up the hills. In some, was in some areas and is scattered and buried on the hill as a gratitude donation from Cromcroak to Crom Dove. Um, 
and there are stories of uh of Lou taking uh bread to the top of the hill uh in the plain of Marschlech and I'm going to do a I think next year I'm going to do a whole Sunday session on Marschlech because it's a fascinating area fascinating stories and it involves those uh crumbs uh especially the golden idol of the Kronkrok uh a crook and here's a, a an artist imagery that that although it comes over a silver is supposed to be actually a golden idol and around that was 12 it's said to have been 12 bronze statues and these are the symbolisms to mark the presence of the Kronkrok and some say that Kronkrok and Lou are the same that he was the human manifestation uh, of the the Kronkrok. He was the sun because Lou is said to be the sun god and so all of this is relative and a lot of these priests that uh, said the Patrick and other so-called saints were converting to be scribes and writing the scriptures and living lives according to what's written by the Middle East and the scriptures that they were very influenced by this cult of these crumbs and they still carried them so it said that uh, Patrick came along. He wasn't going to take any more of that. And uh, he, it said that he, he cut down uh, these uh, idols and buried them and built a, a church there. And uh, here is, I haven't got any photos of the church, but there we are, Patrick with a cronkrack, uh, ugly looking creature on that. Uh, banishing him there. He, he, Patrick did a lot of banishing, didn't he? Uh, so uh, that's him sort of getting rid of that. But they, uh, going back to this picture of the idols here, there's some story that, that that came about, the gold being representative of Lou, because uh, it's said that Lou would, in ceremonies, would carry gold, would actually have a gold breastplate, would wear gold bracelets. And the bronze uh, figures would be like his... Uh, military the, the, is Fiona, uh, the, because the, this is a Bronze Age story, and they would have been carrying Bronze Age swords, which are more like daggers. So these 12 of his protectors, warriors, some might say, were their bronze. So is this a, uh, is this a kind of imagery to represent Lou surrounded by uh, his protectors, and because people were into astrology, then they had, on the 12 months, uh, it had to be 12 of them. That's, I think that's how they got bent around. Now, the townland of uh, Killy Cluggin in County Cavan is where the church is, but um, I don't have any pictures, but just down the road from the church, it's only a few yards, is a, a copy of this Killy Cluggin stone. The main, the original one was actually put into um, a Cavan County Museum. But uh, some say this is a representation of Cronkroig's head. And I've caught it with a, a sunset light on it. So that's all, it's all goldenly bronze here. And this was said to be a stone of sacrifice because Kronkroyk was said to be evil because this was, uh, he's said to have been a blood sacrifice god. But the point is, let's go back to this uh, hungry July again. Um, so, and this is feasting time we we're entering into. And part of the feasting would be to prepare the meat. And in those days, they didn't go along to Super Valley or they didn't go along to any of the supermarkets and get a bit of meat off the shelves. Uh, when a, an animal was killed, that's going to be a big thing. Whether It might be uh, a chicken, a hen that you've lived with for a few years and suddenly it's going for the chop. You're not going to just chop the head off. Oh, yeah, that's all right. We'll just have a munch. You're not going to take, it's not going to be like taking some breast off a supermarket shelf. It's going to be a big deal and you want to do that with reverence and thankfulness and this is said to have been done over the head of crom and the blood would actually run they said these blood would run down through these engravings so it's really not so much a sacrifice well it is a sort of sacrifice it's a sacrifice needed otherwise the people go hungry but it's a kind of respectable reverence for meat which has long long gone from now now further down the road uh, if I've got, yes, I've got some lovely pictures. It's the next townland. It's not very far away. It's Kilnavert, and there's a very impressive combination of tree and stone circles there. And this is all part of the Mark Select area. 
which uh, stretches from here up into Crom in County Fermanagh. But the story behind this, as I say, I'll tell with another Sunday session. And uh, let's go into this. There's, you know, you go into that stone area. Those are the stones, quite remarkable inside that sort of tree circle. Um, anyway, they uh, they have a, there is a, a mama's story. It's performed in parts of Ulster. And they like their, their kind of mama style and folk drama. And it's still very popular in uh, in Ulster and certainly in Donegal as well. But in the story of this time, there's Lou. Lou's representative, a character, is representative of a sun ripening corn. But here's a, he's not a mama. This is a Lou character by an artist. But there he is with his sort of Scottish style kilts, hundreds of years before kilts were actually invented. And uh, the crom dove then tries to stop Lou, lure ripening the corn. And uh, he brings, he calls rain and cold winds to stop the the uh, the cereals ripening. So there's a battle between Lou and Cromdove uh, because Lou wants to feed the people. Cromdove wants to curse them uh, with. And I think I think he's been very active this June and July. Don't you agree? We haven't had much sun. This is lovely. We've got the sun today. So Lou is in our presence today. I think the sun god has arrived after Cromdove has had his way through June and July. And through the stories, um, Lou wins, but they have to throw a bit of the Protestant, I think. I shouldn't talk about religion in divisions like this. Anyway, what happens is after he wins, Lou becomes St. Patrick. And Cromdove, he loses his immortality. He is going to die sometime, but he lives the rest of his life as, uh, as a wizard, I suppose you would say. Anyway, the... Um, Trading and feasting at this time, uh, Garland Sunday, Lunasar on 1st of August, or Lunasar when there's the cross quarter, which is the 7th this year. Maybe uh, we can include the following weekend. Trading, fairs, feasting, it's all important. And I'm going to be making an announcement later. Here's one that's coming up. And next week's uh, Sunday sessions is actually going to be live from here. I'm going to give you more details. It's the other side of Balagadreen. Uh, there's a wee little fair going on uh, there. So uh, see, we're actually going to be on the road for the first time and broadcasting from there and talking to the traders, talking about the trading traditions. But trading and feasting is very important. And alas, uh, I'm not sure where this is. I forget where this is. I think, again, this is up in Ulster somewhere. Uh, these sort of fair gatherings are not actually happening today because, well, the COVID thing again. So I'm glad we got this little event, and there might be little farm shop events around near you where you don't have this mass gathering, which we're discouraged from, and it could well be dangerous at this time. So I'm going to go on to uh, Bilberry's, which is going to sum this all up, and they'll finish it off. And I just looked uh, and watched you. Oh, Claire's here. Hello, Claire. Uh, lovely to see you, and uh, I wish we were at Garland Sunday in Cache. I'm glad you're enjoying this, because the one thing at Garland Sunday is we don't get time to actually spread these old stories. We're so busy. I, I, we love the dog shows. We're looking at the dogs, and of course the babies are fun. There's fun things. There's a nice cup of tea, and there's the, the chat. Uh, and so... And, so you get into that. You, you don't get into the traditions. You get into the fact that it's a good crack with the people around you. And there's music. Uh, traditional musicians uh, get together with that. Uh, Donna's saying something here. I found some barley flour at the grocer's, so I'll be making bread later this week. As I say, it's very much a penal thing to say, make it today. But really, when you talk of Lunasa, Lunasa, whatever you say, it's a whole August thing. Whole August is the gluttony month. It is great. And uh, never heard of Garland Sunday. Yes, it's uh, it's very much an Irish thing. It's it's sort of detached, as I was saying, very detached from the lunacy thing. And it seems to have been changed through part of the encouragement of people to come down off the hills, as I'm saying, and engage more in penal activities uh, and um, and 
the fact that thanksgiving for the fact that the Catholic Church has survived through all the hardship and all about don't get yourself glut uh, gluttonous you know the, you know, you're living a life of penance. You're going to have time for all that when you get to heaven. Well, you know why I used to think about that from the other Sunday sessions that I've said. Anyway, I'm going to go on to the um, uh, on to the Bilberry Sunday now. If I can get back to where I was, says here we go, Bilberry Sunday, which to me has actually been very much part of my life. Come on up. Uh, we lost signal. There we go. The ancient festival of Bilberry Sunday. And this was very much goes back to my own childhood. I was actually first part was uh, Yorkshire, then it moved on to Scotland. Uh, but the Yorkshire part, the, the Bilber is very, very big, even as a child. And I remember as a very young child how huge it was. But the one thing in Ireland with the Bilberry Sunday, it's uh, which is the same as Garland Sunday, is very much a matchmaking event. And I've been explaining obviously earlier with the garland the idea of the mating with the garlands let's talk about the mating with the bilberries now because of these hills when you go up these hills there's bilberries now actually that's uh, uh, i'm wondering about that picture is that blueberries not bilberries and i'll tell you why in a moment the actual bilberries themselves uh, i might have a picture on it they grow very wide apart look that's more like what it's like with the bilberries they don't come in clusters like the blueberries you're familiar with in the USA and, and growing in abundance now all over Europe and elsewhere. They are actually, they're often hidden under these leaves and they're very, very well spread apart. And then on top of that, there's the kind of unwritten foraging law that you only take one berry in six. So <laughs> you've got to take one and if you take the other five, you're going to upset uh, crumb dove and uh he's going some nasty things are going to happen to what you the bilberries you do pick so you've got these foraging rules you've got the difficulty in finding the things you're going up heathery hills which are very difficult to stand on and when people get used to this uh they actually manage to pick when they get used to it they manage to pick about eight ounces in an hour as i say pick up one berry leave five uh to ease it up and uh this is where the mating would take part. Uh, you would get the young boys, young girls, they would be up on the hills. And uh, to break, you know, they didn't have uh, phones, they couldn't listen to the Spotify and the podcast as they go up. Uh, they would like to actually have a bit of crack, a bit of chat. And it's delightful if they could have some chat with someone uh, of their own age, the opposite sex, and. And so there's a kind of bit of teasing and, and even leading on to romancing. And it gets to the point where there's sharing of uh, filling up uh, that eight ounces. You, often the lads would say, ah, to affect this. And they start helping the, the women fill their little tubs up. And there's a hidden agenda to that, which I'm coming on to. But of course, what happens, you get the two of them at it and they've partnered up as uh, bilberry mates then that, that eight ounces gets filled up a lot quicker. And then at the end of it, uh, obviously the boys and girls will be courting as they go up the hill and they're going up the hill doing this. Remember what I was saying about the garland Sunday and going uh, up the hill and with the garlands. This is a thing with the bilberries as well. Uh, it's very much an integrated uh, tradition. So they were courting and by the time they got to the top, and the, the containers are filled, they might have really got well into the partnership. They may have well gone off to the side and had a bit of rumpy pumpy and stuff. And if that sort of carry on and gone on, well, by the time they got to the top of the hill and they had done the, uh, uh, the hormones had been raging and they'd done the deed and the woman herself uh, was uh, never maybe had had a lad before, maybe she was a virgin oh, it's time to do the decent thing, as they say. So maybe that's when the, uh, through the acts of romancing with the bilberries, that by the time you get to the top, the only decent thing to do is form a union and declare the partnership just in case there is a wee little baby that comes along. And you might have heard the tradition of being married for a year and a day uh, because the baby might not come along. So there'd be a split up and so the uh, you could try again the following blue uh, bilberry 
session. So I, again, I said this is where it ties it all together. And uh, I think the bilberries was the real start of it, not so much the garlands. And uh, so uh, because, uh, there we go, I couldn't find anyone. Uh, I couldn't find any lad sort of uh, making garlands because well, I was talking about daisies and flowers. But uh, the garlands that the lads would make, as well as uh, the picking of the bilberries, they would take those leaves and branches and they would start weaving a garland. Uh, whilst uh, the berries were going into the container. And they didn't have plastic containers back then, obviously. They had, uh, oh, well, they were, would have been earthenware. They might have had glass if they were well off and could find it, but certainly the earthenware. So the lad would make the uh, garland uh, with the bush, some of the bush and other twigs, and would stick bilberries into the garland. So that would be the garland taken up at the top of the hill. And if there was a union at the top, that would be what would be broken up, what would be buried, what would be scattered. As I say, the bilberries kind of integrates it all together. Now, what happens with these bilberries? They've been gathered. And uh, at the end of bilberry, people have come down. This is what happens at the end of any garland Sunday anyway, is there's a, a garland Sunday dance. It used to be known as the bilberry dance. And even when I was in Yorkshire, it was the bilberry dance. And what we uh, did there, well, I'm going to talk about uh, what happened to our bilberries there a bit later on, I think. Give me a few minutes on that. Uh, but uh, the girls, they would uh, end up, because the two of them made them together, so there was a partnership thing, they would come along to the dance and they'd be meeting their new mate there and they would present their new mate with a bilberry tart, uh, a bilberry pie or bilberry tart uh, as a celebration of that day that they mated together. Now, this is uh, what's done today with the bilberries uh, collected. They'd make uh, a tart together. and uh, But I gather an older recipe was not the tart like this that we're familiar with, but it was more like a quiche. Uh, again, this was a time of abundance and gluttony, and they would have had chickens, they would have had eggs. So they got the chickens, they got the eggs, they got the bilberries. So they would come up with a sort of quiche type of thing uh like this and that's a more traditional use and that was probably more likely um what was presented to the lad and they would share it together but it was a it was a kind of a union presentation and celebration that was part of the feasting and the dancing that evening and it brings the whole day the whole lunacy abundance all together so um as I say, the garlands made, uh, the mating happening in the heather. Um, what have I not covered? Let's think of the other names. Um, okay, in case you're not familiar with bilberries, that's a bilberry bush. I think that was taken in um, the Cavern Burren. Uh, that looks very Cavern Burren-y. Anyway, that's what it looks like. Bilberry bush and and Bilberry Sunday is quite big in the Cavern Bar, and I know that. Fraun, they're known as Fraun's, and there are some signs in places being the Fraun, or Froch, or Blaberries. I used to know them as Blaberries, Winberries, Heatherberries, Warts, Monogs. And uh, I talked about the lads put, uh, making a garland, and I gather sometimes they would make, not for the head, but bracelets. That's a daisy one, but they would... Uh, they would make the daisy ones and uh, and whatever way they did it anyway, they would mate and they would fall in love. And uh, uh, that was quite a thing. Now, I was saying about my involvement, the one thing I did as a child, it was for pocket money, of all things. Yes, there had to be some capitalism in it somewhere. Uh, so th that's quite abundant. That looks like blueberries rather than bilberries anyway it's a signalism signal of it and the reason for it is uh, and it started i think in the second world war it was discovered that uh, the bilberries were great for the raf pilots night vision and uh, there was a, a, a hundley jam factory that was on the moors in yorkshire and and people would at uh, this time would pick the bilberries uh, to collect them up to take them to this jam. It was amazing, this jam factory on the moor, this little jam factory, and you would get paid for the weight, well, half a pound, goodness me, it's really hard work for the money. 
but uh, it's something you did for the pocket money they will pay and it was that jam factory by hartley's uh, that made the jam exclusively for the RAF pilots at the time this would have been in the 50s so i don't know if that tradition is long gone now by thinking about it, it was a really delightful time that wasn't mating i was too young for the mating it was lovely to talk with the other children the other boys and girls and we would help each other uh, collect together and we would have our own pot that we would share and we would split the money in half rather than compete individually so we very much did it as a sort of cooperative uh, lovely times and then here we go the pilots are down in the RAF and they're having their their toaster and bilberries and uh, <laughs> and that's that's pretty much all I'm going to say about the bilberries again it's another long session uh, they, let's see if you've had any more comments hope you don't mind this being uh, it's gonna be a short session next week i think uh good day uh good day here yes lovely that you joined us i hope you're enjoying these garlandy lunasa stories so uh it's been lovely uh sharing this uh with you um so let's uh oh before i uh, finish off this story let's go through the banners here uh, Karakori Sessions, please uh, join the Karakori Sessions Facebook group. I'll put message me below if you're not sure where it is. I'll put the links in again. And for those of you on YouTube, please uh, click the subscribe for the Karakori Journal channel on YouTube where this is flowing through as well simultaneously. Uh, if you like podcasts, look for Tree Sanctuary on Spotify and you'll get the audio of these and you can listen while you're doing your gardening and uh what uh cleaning in the kitchen or whatever you're doing now sunday sessions here uh, uh there's a website karakorycottage.com click the sunday sessions you'll get information of the sunday sessions coming up all year round now and uh live online and uh you can also click a link in the sunday sessions page to get the archive of the videos of the past sunday sessions you can do that now as this is all uh donation funded the um putting together the this service this broadcasting service also the labyrinth gardens which i hope we'll have people sharing here when this covid thing relaxes keep monitoring it each week each month one day we'll, we'll have a smaller group of you coming here uh on these sunday afternoons as well for the contemplation do this as soon as possible but uh, that's the tip jar address it's certainly uh, highly appreciated now next sunday very important next sunday and the sunday well all these sundays i think are extremely important uh we're going to this uh do and uh i'm going to look out for my posts uh this is quite uh, it might be big on your screen it's quite small on mine uh take note of the air code if you put that in your google maps uh, on your phone it'll get you straight to the point this lovely little uh, country, uh, country industry, country cottage trading fair that's going to be happening. And so Sunday Sessions is going to be live from there and roving around, uh, talking to the traders and their sense of tradition, what they're doing there, why they're doing what they're doing. So it's going to be different, going to be interesting, very different to any Sunday session that we've done. Goodness me, I've been on over an hour. This is Next year, this will be in two sessions because Bilbury needs its own session i think and uh, also the crumb slack needs uh, its own session as well so this is the longest ever goodness me i hope you are enjoying that and uh, anyway uh, the week after that uh, on uh, the second is the ninth which is actually the first harvest gratitude now what i would like you to do and i'll be posting about this please send your contributions Send your contributions of what you've been doing uh, for Lunasa and your preparations, Carling Sunday, Lunasa, the cross-quarter days, how you've been celebrating, what you've been contemplating, what you've been baking, what you've been harvesting. Send little videos in or ask to be live and talk about it for five, ten minutes along with me. I want to do very little talking on the 9th. And straight after that, um, I'm going to do another session, and I, w I wouldn't have been able to do it today, would I? Uh, which is actually going to be Bards from the Woods. It's going to be a weekly poetry session from three o'clock, like we used to do in the Bards in the Woods, 
and that's uh, so if you're a poet either send me some live uh, poetry it must be outside amongst trees amongst woodlands bards from the woods that's why it's named that uh, so there's no poets indoors uh, this is and I'm going to be doing some encores uh, from the bars in the woods when we were doing them so that's going to be from three o'clock because we're going to have more horsepower uh, with these presentations as from the 9th of August onwards and hopefully I each Sunday be doing that after the spoken uh, the spoken story sort of storytelling Sunday sessions so do uh, join me live uh, is there any last comments from you here uh, right I you like the longer sessions great you're very patient very kind where should I send any videos if you go to the com, there's a contact there but after I finish this I will be going through your comments and come back to the comment section here and I'll have some addresses if you're familiar with the messaging how to message me on Facebook or YouTube message me through those I'll pick up the message and then the videos I like the videos to be sent through we transfer we transfer is a lovely service it comes to me through the email and I can pack it up from there so I uh, do some messaging to start with and we'll make that uh, we'll make those arrangements so thanks uh, very much uh right uh now so thank you uh, very much for uh definitely thank you for this sort of very long uh watching of sunday sessions please keep your comments flowing here if you're watching this as an archive uh enjoy a safe week uh, full of wonder inspiration celebration and this is a time of enchantments as well as gluttony uh so until next sunday play well and bye bye <laughs>